Okay, okay, we're going to get to the podcast in just one minute. But imagine I gave you the opportunity to invest in Microsoft, in Apple, in Tesla at its infancy. And now you made all this profit and it would be unbelievable. You'd be so thankful and so grateful. I believe that that day is today for Torch. Because for the next 36 hours, every donation you contribute at givetorch.net is doubled by our generous matchers, and you can come in at the ground floor. Yes, last year, over 1 million people enjoyed our podcasts. You as well, I hope. And I believe we can get to 10 million this year, but we need your help. It's only one day a year that we ask. We need your contribution. We need your partnership. We love your partnership and your friendship. Please contribute at givetorch.net, givetorch.net. Every dollar is matched. I apologize for taking your time. Thank you so much in advance for your support. Enjoy this episode. You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Muslim Masterclass. Last week, we concluded the fourth in a series of the Laws of Good Midos, the Laws of Good Character Traits. Today, we're going to begin a new chapter in Halacha, which talks about the laws of proper speech. There are several categories of speech that the Torah prohibits a person from speaking. And if a person isn't careful, it is very, very easy to fall into the trap of negative speech which is a biblical prohibition times 31. There are 31 prohibitions in speaking negatively about another person. 31. That's a lot. That's more than almost any other commandment in the Torah, not to speak negatively about your fellow. The Torah particularly says, Lo selech rochil be'amecha. What's rochil? A rochil is a peddler. You should not be a peddler of bad news about other people. That's how serious it is. The Torah explicitly stresses the importance of being cautious in every word that we speak, particularly when it's about another person. So if you have any plans in the near future or in the distant future to talk about other people, don't. It's not a good thing. The Torah frowns upon speaking negatively about another person, any other person. That's including yourself. I'll just share with you the Chavetz Chaim. What do we know about the Chavetz Chaim? We know so much about the Chavetz Chaim. Chavetz Chaim wrote so many books. Chavetz Chaim wrote books for soldiers who were being drafted, Jewish boys who were being pulled out of yeshivas and taken to the Russian army. You saw there was a big problem because these soldiers were losing their faith very, very quickly. And they were disconnecting from Judaism because they were in, they were completely immersed in the Russian army. Chavetz Chaim said, we've got to do something about this. He wrote a book. Machane Yisrael, the Jewish camp. He saw that women were having a difficulty reaching a mikvah for their own ritual purity. So what did he do? He wrote a book. He saw that people didn't know basic Jewish law. So he wrote a book, the Mishnah Brewer. He saw that people, and if you look, Olam Chesed, he wrote so many books, 24 different titles. 24 different titles. But yet, his name wasn't the Mishnah Brewer. His name wasn't the Shem Olam. His name wasn't the, you know, Netzach Yisrael. His name was the Chafetz Chaim. Because although he was a very, very, very talkative person, the Chavetz Chaim was a socialite. He loved schmoozing. He never talked about other people. You can talk about the entire world. You can talk about cars. You can talk about airplanes. You can talk about motorcycles. You can talk about hobbies. You can talk about sports. You can talk about a lot of things. Don't talk about other people, says the Chavetz Chaim. It's such an important halacha. It's such an important mitzvah that we're going to dig in a little bit with Rabbi Shlomo Gansfried, the author of this abridged Shulchan Aruch, 
and we're going to see what the halacha tells us. So in Leviticus, as we mentioned, it says, you shall not be a tailbearer, literally a peddler among your people. Ezehu Rachil, who is a tailbearer of whom the Torah speaks? Ze Shetoin Dvorov, this is one who carries words around as a peddler carries merchandise and goes from one to another and says, so-and-so said this about you. And I've heard such and such about so-and-so. Even though that which the speaker reports is true and is also not derogatory, this person has violated the negative commandment that prohibits Rechilus tailbearing. Even if what they're saying is true. What? What's the problem? I have heard many times people say, that's not Lashon Hara. It's true. Well, that's when it's Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara is when it's true. It's Motsi Shemra when it's not true, which is another biblical prohibition. So, yes, it's only when it's true, when it's false, it is not even Lashon Hara. It's much worse than Lashon Hara. Vehu Avon Gadol. It is a great sin. And one, it's, this is a sin that causes the death of the Jewish people. For this reason, the following prohibition is written adjacent to the prohibition against hell-bearing. And that is, you shall not stand idly by while your fellow's blood is shed. Consider and learn from that which which resulted from the tailbearing of Doeg, the Edomite, who told Saul that Achimelech had given David provisions and a sword, even though in that case the matter that was reported was true, and also did not constitute derogatory information about Achimelech, as Achimelech had not committed any crime with his actions. For even if Saul himself would have asked Achimelech about his actions, he would have openly told him what he did. He wasn't hiding anything. He would have openly told him what he did because he did not intend to commit a crime against Saul. Despite all of this, the Rechilus of Doeg caused many Kohanim to be killed. Because Saul found out about this, he was told, someone else told him about someone else, Doeg told him about Achimelech. He heard about that. He sent in troops to kill Achimelech, and that was it. Many, a bunch of Kohanim, leaders of the Jewish people, were put to death because of this. Sages tell us this is a story that's written in the prophets, just as a sidebar here. We had thousands and thousands of prophets but we only have 24 books of the Tanakh. We only have 11 prophets and nine, right? We, 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 we nine of, of books of, of the, of the uh, Chronicles, five books of the Torah. That's it, 24 books, the whole Tanakh. What happened to the thousands and thousands of prophecies? Well, only the prophecies that were relevant for us to learn lessons from them for all of eternity are the ones that were procured as part of our Torah. This story is there for us to learn, not to talk about other people. You know something about another person? Keep it to yourself and nobody needs to know anything. People like to yap. People like to chat and to discuss other people and discuss other things going on. I don't know the deep psychology as to why people have such a thrill with talking so much about other people. But this is the reality. This is the reality of the world we're living in. And the Torah warns us of this grave sin, that one who talks about other people is going to cause tremendous damage. Someone told me yesterday, someone called me and said, I made a big mistake because I told somebody who I thought was completely innocent and innocuous someone who was like a third party and nothing to do with anything from a different city. I told him a story that I of something that happened. Five minutes later, that person told another person who told another person, another person, he gets a phone call. Says Someone says, you're, you're spreading rumors about me? 
you're saying things. He says, I'm not spreading rumors. I'm saying what you did. But he called me. He's like, what do I do now? I shared with someone the truth of what I've seen happen. And now they're all angry at me. And, you know, I said, why did you need to open your mouth? Why do we talk about other people? Why do we need to talk? Why do we feel the urge, the necessity to talk about other people? Here the halacha tells us it's a prohibition to talk about another person. Now we've mentioned, this is my own my own understanding, my own personal clarification that I've gotten about this topic. And that is, imagine you meet somebody, any person. Okay, I met Susan for the first time. So she looks like a fine lady. She looks like she's honest. She looks like she's truthful. She looks like like she's uh, civil. So I give her a thousand human credits in my mind. Now, if I were to turn around a minute later and someone comes over to me and says, you see, Susan, watch yourself. Dangerous personality. Careful. Watch your back. What would happen? Suddenly that thousand human credits tanked. But what happens if someone says positive things? They say, ooh, Susan, what a privilege. You met her? She's such a nice person. She's so kind. She's so loving. She's so friendly. She's so caring. Suddenly, where did that thousand credits go? It went up. Her value went up in my eyes. We have the ability with our words to elevate people or to diminish people. And that is the challenge, that if we talk about other people, more likely than not, we'll have the urge to diminish others. And this is what our sages are warning us. This is what the Torah warns us, not to be a peddler of information about other people. You know what? You saw something, so nobody else needs to know about it. You know, in the religious community, and people date, it's not such an open thing. It's because they date privately. They, it's, you know, they set, they have a matchmaker who puts them together, and they go on a date, and they'll go to a to a lounge, and they'll talk because there's no physical contact till they get married. So it's just having conversation, spending time in different situations, different scenarios, different, you know. So they'll go to a to a park, and they'll go to the botanical gardens, and they'll go to the zoo, and they'll go to all these places. And what's if they meet someone from the community there who see them on this date with this young lady? Most kids between the ages of 13 and 50 who are single are not just hanging around with other women. Okay, Especially if they're in that between 10 and 30 range. They're not going to be schmoozing just casually unless it's for a purpose of dating and meeting and hopefully getting married. So there was someone I know who was dating a young girl, and there was rumors about them, about this guy. Oh, yeah, everybody knows that he's dating so-and-so. Why? Because one person saw them on a date, and now everybody needs to know about it. Where's the privacy? They want these people to know about it. They would tell the whole world, but they don't. Right? If they get engaged, great. If they don't get engaged, why does everybody need to know? But people like to yenta, and people like to schmooze, and it's not fair. It's not fair for people to do that, particularly if people don't want their information shared. Oh, I didn't know. So then you surely have no business sharing other people's information. It's very important for us to be cognizant of the laws of the Torah. The Torah says, don't be a peddler of information about other people. Period. It doesn't say good or bad. Don't be a peddler of information about other people. People ask you about someone else. I'm sorry, I don't talk about other people. If it's pertinent information, you want to know if to go into a business deal with someone, are they trustworthy? That's a different story. You want to know if to marry into a certain family, you need, you need pertinent information. It's a different story. 
You need to know if to recommend someone to someone else. That's a different story. But 99.8% of all conversation about people have nothing to do with things of merit. They just have to do with, I'm bored and I need someone to be my victim. And I want to talk about somebody. And I want to peddle information. And this is what the halacha warns us about. There is a much greater sin than this, which is also included in the negative commandment of this verse. And that is Lashon Hara. That's evil speech. And this sin is violated when one speaks negatively about his fellow. Despite the fact that he is saying the truth, like we mentioned previously. However, if one says negative things about his fellow that are not truthful, that are lies, such a person is called a slanderer. He is slandering his fellow. And this is another biblical commandment, a biblical prohibition. However, for an occasional lapse of speaking Lashon Hara, one is not yet called a Baal Lashon Hara. There is a master of Lashon Hara. Again, a master's degree in Lashon Hara. If someone is a regular in speaking about other people. And that, our sages tell us to be very, very careful from becoming a Baal Lashon Hara, the master of Lashon Hara. This is a person who regularly and habitually fills this conversation by saying, so-and-so did this and that. His answers, ancestors were such and such. Uh, and I heard this about him and I heard that about him. The Omer Dvarm Shognai saying derogatory information about the subjects of his conversation. Regarding such behavior, the verse states in Psalms, Hashem, may Hashem cut off all who possess lips of smooth talk and tongues that speak grievously about others. So it's not only the person who speaks Lashon Hara who's doing a terrible sin. It's also the person who accepts the Lashon Hara and listens to it. Such a person who accepts is worse than the person who speaks Lashon Hara. The decree against our forefathers in the wilderness that they would not enter the land of Israel was not sealed because of their previous sins. They had many other sins. They had the sin of the golden calf. They had the sins of the sin of the rebellion. They had sin of the complainers. They had many, many things that they did wrong. You know what sealed the deal? When they heard Lashon Hara and they accepted it about the land of Israel from the spies. And our sages tell us, only after the sin of Lashon Hara, of accepting Lashon Hara, was their fate sealed, that they, that generation was not going to enter into the land of Israel. And indeed, till 40 years later, after they all died out, all of those who left Egypt died out, and it was the next generation, only they merited to enter into the land of Israel. You know Why? Because when you accept Lashon Hara, you're encouraging the speaker of Lashon Hara to continue doing his thing. Imagine I come in here tonight and I say, guys, I got to tell you something. Okay? And I open up my big fat mouth about somebody and I say, you know, so-and-so did this. I have verified evidence. It's conclusive and I announce the derogatory, the shame about another person. And everyone's like, ooh, whoa, wow, unbelievable. I can't believe it. Whoa, right? So what everyone is doing by, by doing that is they are encouraging me to go to the next group of people and share that information again. But imagine someone stopped and says, whoa, the Torah says you're not allowed to talk like that and stops me. What's the likelihood I'm going to try to find another group of people to talk to? I'm not going to because I don't want to get that defeat again. I don't want to get that feeling. It's like it's it's a it's not a good feeling when someone just stops you from. Oh, I don't want to talk about other people. Oh, I don't want, lashon hara, lashon hara. 
I don't want to hear it. Uh, right? Close your ears. I don't want to hear it. Our sages warn us not to be among those who accept Lashon Ara and encourage the speaker to continue to speak negatively. That is a very, very grave sin because according to our sages, it's worse than the person who speaks because now you're multiplying his efforts. It's not Lashon Ara if you give your opinion about a matter. They spoke Lashon Ara about the land. The land that Hashem promised was going to be, you know how big every grape was? They needed two people to carry a single grape. You know what that means, David? David, you know what that means? Each grape was like the size of an enlarged wine bottle. Imagine that. Imagine you bought a grape for Shabbos Kiddush, right? And you just put a little spout in there and you're able to just like, and get all that. That was your, that was your wine, Right? One grape, one grape, What you need two people to carry it. You understand the blessing of the land? God promises us this land. He says this is going to be for your descendants. He promises to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to the tribes, to Moses, to the Jewish people in the desert when they were in Egypt, when they fought Amalek. You see time and again and again, Hashem reminds us, I'm going to take you to your land. Then you send spies in, and they bring back a negative report about the land, and the Jewish people start crying. By the way, you know what happens on that day that they cry falsely for no reason? Hashem says, oh, you cried. Today I'm going to make it a sad day. That's the day of Tishabav. The day of Tishabav. The day of Tishabav was forever to become a day of mourning. Because the Jewish people cried in vain. They accepted the words of Lashon Hara about the land of Israel. Imagine if it was about a human being. It would be much worse. But the fact that they were able and willing to accept Lashon Hara, think of it like this. Imagine... You remember those Walkmans? You remember those Walkmans? You'd go, you know, you'd go do exercise with the, you know, you'd have put the the little little headphones on, and you'd have the wire, and you'd have the wire, you'd plug it into your Walkman. You ever you ever saw a woke? You you ever saw a Walkman that was uh, open, broken, broken open, and had a bunch of wires, wires everywhere: blue wire, red wire, green wire, yellow wire. Now imagine you opened up your brand new Walkman. You're so excited. You got it for your for your uh, Hanukkah gift. And you're so excited as a little child. You open it up and you're like, hey, that yellow wire, there's no need for that. I'm going to take it out. And you cut the yellow wire. Is your You put it back together. Is your Walkman going to work? Why not? It's just an extra wire. Because it's not an extra wire. The engineers at Sony don't just put extra wires into Walkmans. Imagine you open up the hood of your car and you see, this is crazy. You have pipes everywhere. We can take one out. I'm sure it's just extra. It's random. There's no need for it. Right? You can imagine if you did that, something's not going to Your alternator's not going to work. Your carburetor's not going to work. Your engine's not going to work. Something is not going to work. Our sages tell us every single human being that God put into this earth, he wants on this earth. There's nobody extra. And by speaking negatively about one of God's creation, what we're saying is that God is a bad engineer and that he doesn't know who needs to be here. And I can guarantee you God is a better engineer than Sony and better than Elon Musk. And better than GMC. There is nothing extra in God's world. Everything that God created has a purpose and God loves it. Therefore, it's crucial for us to understand that speaking Lashon Hara against the creation of Hashem is far worse than just saying something negative about Joe Schmo. It's not about Joe Schmo alone. It's about Hashem's creation that you're devaluing. You're in essence saying Hashem doesn't know what he's doing, which is why the Talmud says, Tractate Sotah, 
42a, I believe, where the Talmud says that there are four categories of people that don't see the presence of God. They don't reside near the Shekhinah of the Almighty. And one of them is those who speak slander about others. Why? Hashem doesn't create anything for no reason. Hashem creates them for a purpose, and you mocking it is mocking the Almighty. And therefore, the halacha tells us here, we need to be so careful about speaking negatively about another creation, about another person. And we learn from our our ancestors who suffered in the desert another 40 years not to either hear negative about the land of Israel. It says, and we know this from the Torah, we know this from the prophets, we know it from the writings, and we know it from the Talmud, and we know it from the Mishnah. And we know it from the Midrash, and we know it from the Kabbalah, and we know it from everything else in Torah. The nations of the world do not have permission to touch the Jewish people without Hashem allowing it. Meaning, if Hashem doesn't say that the Jews deserve a certain slap upside the head, we will not get that slap upside the head. It's only after Hashem says a decree that the nations of the world have the right to choose that they'll do it. Now, they're going to be punished. You say, oh, then in that case, what did they do wrong? They didn't do anything wrong by killing six million. God decreed it. That's not true. Although God decreed it, God didn't, de- it could have come by a plague. It could have come a different way. They said, no, 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 we want to do it. We want to do it. We want to be the ones to murder the Jews. And that's why they're going to be punished. And they'll be severely punished because of it. Sadly, there are many, many millions of examples of persecutors of the Jewish people. Right? There's no shortage, unfortunately, of people who tried to maim, to persecute, to expel, to, uh, to, to annihilate, and to holocaust away the Jews. It's tragic, but that's the reality of our world. God, can, oh God only uses the nations of the world as a, as a, as a potch to wake us up. And I think we had a very strong wake-up call, and I think we answered that call pretty solidly with the, I would say, the unbelievable growth of Torah since then. You have the greatest Torah centers in the history of the Jewish people today. Today, in Israel, there's no street corner. There's no block in the entire country that doesn't have a synagogue, that doesn't have a yeshiva, that doesn't have a, an institution of higher learning for Torah. So, yeah, it, well, you got to be very careful about saying, giving a negative report about an, a, a, an institution, an establishment, a business, because, yeah, you can, you can hurt their business. Because look, look like this, okay? If the owner were to ask you, what did you think? You're obligated to tell him. If you didn't have a good experience, you need to tell him so that he can improve. Even then, criticism, what do we know the rule of criticism? Tractate Yavamot. 65B, right? What does the Talmud tell us? Talmud tells us there is a mitzvah, not, there is a mitzvah to reprove one who will accept your reproof. Talmud says, just like there's a mitzvah to reprove someone who will listen to you, there's a mitzvah not to reprove someone, not to rebuke them, if they won't. So how do I know if they will, if they won't? You have to know. It's not a simple thing. You have to know who the person is. It's all about the presentation. Over the years, they've asked me to do some research from people, and I've asked people. And I always told them with this introduction that they've asked me to do research for them. So please, you're not saying Lashon Hara by sharing with me your thoughts. They really genuinely, sincerely want to do the best job for the community and they will lovingly accept the critique that you have. And therefore, because I value your critique and your opinion, I would like you to share with me the genuine experience you had and go through a whole uh, slew of questions. But the idea here is that in such a case, you know, but just talking and putting out slander about a new store, a new re- a restaurant, uh, a, a, a doctor, 
oh, he's such a cheat. He's not honest. He's oh, you know, people can say things. We have no idea why they're saying things, what their motive is. We don't know how their morning was. Maybe they just had a bad morning and everything is rotten for them. You never know. But by saying that, you're opening up the door for negativity that the the Almighty doesn't want us to live in a world that is negative. Right, but also not to just knock others, not to knock, not to knock, and not not to to talk negatively about others. So to what extent does the prohibition of Lashon Ra apply? If a person asks his fellow, where can I find fire? Where can I find fire? Anybody have a fire? It's not like today everyone's got a a gas stove or some, some way to, to ignite fire. Where can I find fire? So he says, says to him, that house, ugh, they're always eating, meaning they're obese or they're not healthy. Oh, they're always eating. You can go there. They'll have fire. You can say it in a way that's not derogatory. You can say it in a way, and the halacha says, right, where else can you find fire other than in that house, the house of so-and-so? Why? Because they're always cooking there. This, too, is a type of Lashon Har. Even though I'm not really saying anything, I didn't say that they were unhealthy. I didn't say, I just, I'm saying, yeah, that they're always eating there. So, in fact, the Chavetz Chaim tells us that even the motion of, of an eye, even a little wink. So someone walks in and then you wink to someone like, huh, or you give a little a little nod. That, too, is Lashon Hara. I didn't say a word. Didn't say a word. Still considered Lashon Hara. I have to be very careful of that. Halacha number four. There's something called the dust of Lashon Hara. What's the dust of Lashon Hara? So, what's an example one who says, do not talk about so-and-so. Because I don't want to tell you what happened and what became of that situation. Let's let's just not talk about Joe Shmo. Let's not talk about him, okay? And things of this type. Also one who speaks in praise of his fellow, in the presence of his enemies. So if you go to a restaurateur, and you tell him that his competition is such a nice guy, and you tell him he's such a, it's such a pleasant place to go. You know what you're doing? Inside, you're building up his hatred towards his competition. Nobody likes to hear about the competition. By the way, and that's in every trade. It also includes doctors. It includes lawyers. It includes dietitians. It includes chefs. It includes educators it include i've seen people from every profession you tell them about another lawyer they're like look you know he's okay if you want to lose money okay do what you want right right no, but, but you know if you would have hired me i would have done an excellent job and i would have gotten you out of this ticket or whatever it is right you wouldn't have had to pay that fee and you would have had to pay that fine you would if you would have asked me but it's very difficult for people to what we call in Yiddish, fargin, is to be graceful about someone else's accomplishments, to be kind and endearing of someone else's accomplishments. Motions is also part of Avaklashonara, that's correct. Yep. One who speaks in praise of his fellow in the presence of his enemies. This is Avaklashonara. Since this will cause them to speak derogatorily about him. About this situation, King Solomon says, If one blesses his friend loudly from early in the morning, it will be considered a curse for him. Because as a result of speaking his praise, the conversation comes around to speaking ill of him as well. So now that we said the good stuff about this individual, now it's time to address the elephant in the room. Let's talk about what's not good about the person, right? And that will lead the conversation into a whole negative spin. And this is why the Torah recommends don't talk about other humans. Don't talk about them. V'chein, also included in Avak Lashon Rosh, is relating Lashon in a joking and lighthearted manner. 
like comedy late night shows where they can talk Lashon Hara, they can talk slander, they can talk Rechilus, they can talk Motzi Shemra, truthful, untruthful about someone else. Do you know what they said about you? Peddlers. Peddlers of negative speech. Kemo she'eno midaber besino as one who is not speaking out of hatred. I'm just, we're just joking. It's just a joke. It's not a big deal. What are you getting so uh, uptight? It's not, we were just kidding around. This is what King Solomon in his great wisdom shared with us. Like someone who wears himself out throwing firebrands, arrows, and lethal objects. So is a man who deceives his fellow and says, Surely I was joking. You shoot them with a gun, you say, I was just kidding. It's just kidding. Stab them with a knife and say, ah, it's just a joke. That's what's speaking Lashon eyes. Lashon even if it's positive, will turn into negative. You got to be so careful because it's, it's, we'll see soon that the, to, the, the halacha, the Torah tells us, we mentioned this recently, Losonu Ish there's a commandment in the Torah, the Parsha, three weeks ago, says, Lo sonu ish You shall not speak in a way that will cause pain to your fellow. What does that include? Of course, it includes not speaking Loshonara. What does it mean, Lo sonu ish You shall not speak, you should not cause pain to your fellow. That also means, by the way, if there's no one else there, it's about time you showed up. Right? Nobody else is there. I'm not embarrassing you in front of others. You cause someone pain. You cause someone pain, that is a biblical prohibition. You're not allowed to cause your fellow pain. Also included in Avak Lashon Hara, Avak is the dust of Lashon Hara, is one who relates Lashon Hara in a deceiving manner. That is, he pretends that he is speaking innocently and that he does not know that he is saying something that is Lashon Hara. And when people re- remonstrate that with him for speaking Lashon Hara, he says, oh, I had no idea that that was Lashon Hara. Or I did not know that, I was de- that what I was describing were actions of so-and-so. I had no idea. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking it was that person. I just was, thought it was somebody. right? And everyone knows who you're talking about. Such a thing would also be the category of avak lashonara. Now, why is it avak? Why is it dust lashonara? Because you're not explicitly saying so and so did this. You're not saying that. You're just saying, well, someone did it. Everybody knows who you're referring to. So, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Hashem, please forgive me. If I was to talk about a Ponzi scheme. Everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. I didn't even say a word. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. That would be Avak Lashonara. Because I didn't even need to say a word about who. Maybe I'm talking about Mr. Ponzi himself, who this Ponzi scheme is named after. But somehow, when you just hear the word Ponzi scheme, you think that it's referring to a specific individual. And that would be a perfect example of Avak I didn't say Mr. So-and-so. I didn't say that. It's an unbelievable challenge that we all face. So it's, it's, it's a very difficult question. It's a very difficult question talking about institutions. Uh, you're not supposed to talk about groups of people, as we'll see later. You're not supposed to talk about groups of people either. Because talking about groups of people, inevitably you're talking about people. You're not supposed to be talking about other people. You're not supposed to put Hashem's creations down. That's the bottom line. That's really what it's all about. Don't put Hashem's creations down. So there are many, many different elements to Lashon Hara. Uh, I highly recommend that everyone gets the 
Lesson a Day on the Chavetz Chaim, written by my rabbi, Rabbi Yitzhak Berkowitz, and Rabbi Shimon Finkelman. And they write a beautiful, beautiful book. One is the halacha, and one is practical application, a story, uh, a, a parable to bring it to life. And it's important for us to know what Lashon Hara is and to be very, very cautious not to allow Lashon Hara to creep into our lives. Because before we know it, we're talking about everybody and everything goes. Well, don't you think he stole so much money from so many people? Don't you think I have a right to tell people about it? Right, if I, I and I know someone, I know someone. I'm, I'm not going to say lashon hara about that person now, but I know someone who lost a fortune of money with Bernie Madoff, a fortune of money. And he came to me, and he was so mad, so angry that he was, uh, you know, hurt. He has no right to say that now. The only right I would have to listen to it is if this would diffuse his anger and now he won't continue to say it. And if I can explain, not to speak Lashon Hara is a tremendous virtue in the Torah. Not to speak Lashon Hara. But if I'm listening to it and that encourages him to continue getting more ears listening, that's a terrible thing. Because now I'm the encourager of Lashon Hara. So we'll do one more halacha now, halacha number five. Whether one relates to Lashon Hara in the presence of his fellow, the subject of the Lashon Hara, so you say, listen, I'm saying it right in front of his face, he can deny it and he can tell me otherwise, or if one relates it not in his presence, or one who relates information which could result if the information is passed from one person to another in damage to his fellow, whether it's physical person or his property, or even to distress or to frighten him, all of these are classified as Lashon Hara and are forbidden. And if the things were said in front of three people, it can be assumed that the information was already made public. And were one of those three that heard it to relate this information another time, it would not be prohibited as Lashon Hara. However, this only applies if he did not intend to spread the word or to reveal the information more than it is already known. So what happens is if you share information in front of three people, which is not a loophole, it's still a Lashon Hara. It's still a biblical prohibition with 31 transgressions but because it's public already it was said in front of three people it's not the same the same um, the same prohibition it can be assumed that this information has already been made public and it's einbo mishum lashanhara vehu shlo yiskaven lahavir hakol if he did not intend to spread the word, and to reveal the information more than it is already known. So what is the remedy for such a person who speaks Lashon Hara? What can protect a person from the transgression of Lashon Hara? He's a Torah scholar. And thus, able to study Torah, you should engage himself in Torah study. If you remember previously, we discussed that if someone is overcome with desire, temptation, what do you do? Learn Torah. If that doesn't help, run to the study hall and learn Torah there. And if that doesn't help, recite the Shema. If that doesn't help, remember the day of death. That ought to put the shock into our consciousness and remove that desire and temptation. No, you're allowed to have opinions. You're just not supposed to talk about other people. You can have an opinion on every person on planet Earth. 
Yes, because he's a Russia. He's an evil person. You're allowed to on evil people. Yes, on evil people, you're allowed to say that. But uh, you can be as opinionated as you want. There's nothing wrong with doing that. There's nothing wrong with being opinionated. However, there is something wrong in sharing your opinion about other people. Now, if you're sitting in your own home and you're talking to yourself and you're talking about some about someone else to yourself, go right ahead if you want to talk to yourself. But if you want to talk to other people and share that negativity about others, that's problematic. So, if he is if so if he's a Torah scholar, study Torah, and the Torah will protect you from speaking negatively about others. But if one is an ignoramus and therefore unable to study Torah, he should adopt a more humble comportment. He should be very careful to become humble and to realize that everything is from Hashem and that everyone has challenges and everyone has weaknesses. And I do too. By recognizing and being humble, recognizing that we also have our imperfections. You see, the thing is that every, just ask my wife, every single person has qualities and virtues and flaws. Every single person. And how can we love someone ever? Because we know that the person we love has flaws too. It's because we choose to focus on their virtues, on their qualities. So this person that you're talking about, whoever it may be, also has virtues. But you're deciding to focus on the negative ones. And therefore, it's very, very important and crucial for us to be cognizant of this every day of our lives to ensure that we're not allowing negativity into our lives. So I want to end, thank you very much. I want to end with the following story. Like you said, Rabbitson, about not speaking negatively about your own self. There's a story told about the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim was going on a train. He, was, he would go from to travel from one city to the other, selling his books and talking about Lashon Hara. So, but he was a very humble man, the Chavetz Chaim, very humble. Most people did not know who he was even because he walked around like he was just a, a nothing, a nothing burger. And uh, he, he got on a train once, and there was another, he sees another Jew sitting on the train. And the Chavetz Chaim was sitting there innocently. This Jew sees another Jew. He doesn't know it's the Chavetz Chaim. He sees another Jew. So he says, seat available next to you? He says, yeah, sure, no problem, sit down. So this man is sitting next to the Chavetz Chaim, not knowing that he's sitting next to the Chavetz Chaim. And he says, oh, where are you heading? He says, I'm setting to this in this town. He says, oh, I heard the Chafetz Chaim is going there. He says, eh, the Chafetz Chaim. Who's the Chafetz Chaim? So the person gets up and gives the Chafetz Chaim a patch. He says, how dare you talk like that about the Chafetz Chaim? So you can imagine, then the guy gets up and storms away from the Chafetz Chaim. Someone's talking so negatively about the Chafetz Chaim. So when they get to the destination, they were actually getting off at the same stop. And this person gets off in the front of the cart and he gets off at the back of the cart and he sees there's hundreds of people waiting to greet the Chavetz Chaim. Now he's like, he's like, what's the whole commotion here? What are you guys like waiting for? They said, what do you mean? This is the Chavetz Chaim. He says, no, no. How can that be? He didn't know what to do with himself. So the next day, the Chavetz Chaim sent someone to find this person and to invite him to where he was staying. And he set up a big feast. And he, this person comes in in trep, total trepidation. He can't imagine how he did such a thing to the Chavetz Chaim, not realizing who he was. Chavetz Chaim goes out and welcomes him and brings him in and hugs him and says, I want to I thank you. He makes a whole Kiddush and a Lachaim with this individual thanking him for teaching him a Halacha. He said, I didn't realize that you're not either allowed to speak Lashon Hara about yourself, but you taught me that halacha. And therefore, it's like you're my Rebbe. And he thanked him, and they made a Lachaim together. You imagine the feeling this person must have felt having done this to the Chavetz Chaim. But the Chavetz Chaim was such a humble man. All he wanted to know was another way to be closer to God. Don't put yourself down. God loves you. Hashem loves you. Don't say, oh, I'm not worthy. Oh, I'm such a terrible person. No, you're an amazing person. You're not an ignoramus. You're sitting here learning Torah. 
Not the first time today, by the way, sitting and learning Torah here at the Torch Center. I may witness myself. Hashem wants us to feel close to Him. We cannot feel close to Hashem if we don't know how much Hashem loves us. We have to have a consciousness of that love every minute of our day. And when we realize that Hashem loves us so much, we won't want that love to to go away from us. I think it's the Ramban who says that if we only knew to what extent God loves us, we would go crazy, literally crazy. We would imagine you're dancing on the rooftop of your building and you're dancing and dancing and dancing. And people are like, what's going on with this guy? And they finally come up. They're like, is everything okay? Should we take you to a doctor? Like, no. What do you mean? Hashem loves me. I'm the luckiest person in the world. Then you continue dancing. This guy's crazy. That's what it is. Yeah, till the world says you're crazy. That's how crazy you'll go by when you were able to recognize how much Hashem loves you. It's addictive. It's, it's, it's healing. And it's refreshing to know that Hashem always loves us. Hashem wants us to always be in a positive relationship with Him. When we speak negatively about another person, we're going into negative territory. Hashem should protect us all. Hashem should guide us in the way of wisdom, in the way of connection, and in the way of closeness with Him every single day. And we should only merit to feel His love every day of our lives. Amen. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcast.com.